Another episode of your favorite podcast, Targo. Nice shirt, dude. What is up? <laughs> nice new one, shirt. new Barca. That's sick, man. I didn't even know they came out with that. Got to find some Chinese website to get it, man. <laughs> <laughs> they do have some good stuff. I mean, that's where I got this because it's sold out everywhere. Anyways, rant over. Welcome <laughs> to another smaller episode. than uh, usual, though. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to another episode of Brews and Banter. Today we got match week four in the English Premier League. Last of the transfers and the winners and losers of transfer deadline day to go along with our Fab Five games to watch. So, Targo, before we even get into that, what are you drinking, my dude? I am drinking level beer. Go hef yourself. German style <laughs> Hefeweizen. It's uh barn brewed in Portland, Oregon. What that a says name. Is a tra- Go hef yourself, right? <laughs> uh, it says it's traditional German style wheat beer, easy drinking with pleasant banana and clove aromatics. Banana, huh? Not sure if I smell the banana. Okay. Yep, that's a hef. Okay. Not bad. It's just weird for me that they put banana in it, because the banana's a pretty strong taste, usually. Not in this beer, it's not. That's good. I that's guess good. now uh, I guess now the aftertaste I'm getting a little bit. Okay. Well that's not, not bad. bad. Would would drink again. Would? Yes. Would. Targo Targo thumbs up. Yeah. Targo thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I am drinking from uh, close to your neck of the woods, from Clea Elm, Washington, Drew Brews, Feist Beer. It's that time of the year again, man. Oktoberfest beers are back. They're my favorite. We're going to get a lot of them in the next couple weeks. Let's just say. I'm very excited. I have not had this Oktoberfest yet. Hmm. True brew, huh? Yeah. You ever been to their brewery? I have not. I guess we got to make a trip. Yes, we should. Yes, we should. Uh, this is a German-style rich golden lager, layers of German malt, uh, and a charge of soft-edged hops. Uh, I would say it's pretty good. It's kind of light for an Oktoberfest, I'll be honest. But uh, I would go... 7 out of 10 would drink again. Okay. That's probably about what I'd give this. Maybe 7.5. Well, there you go. So go if it's yourself. there and available, drink it again. Otherwise, if there's better choices. All 10 right. out of 10 well, on the name, though. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I do love that name. It's pretty fantastic. So, make sure you guys are checking out our Facebook, our Facebook group, our Instagram. TikTok, YouTube channel. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, hitting that notification bell. Make sure you're giving us five stars on all of your favorite social media platforms. And then make sure to check out our Redbubble. Got some pretty awesome merch in there. You should go check it out. And with further, without further ado, let's get to it.
News Targo News. There's, sure, there's a lot lots of, of it. it. I, I thought <laughs> I thought because the transfer window was over that there would be less news. There's just more news that aren't transfers, believe it or not. Yeah, that's true. There has been a lot going on, huh? Yeah, but we still do have news about transfers, believe it or not. Some so, transfer windows are still open, so... Yes, so to sum up the English transfer window, they spent a record uh, £2.36 billion pounds this summer. Uh, that's almost a half a billion more than the record set last summer of $1.92 billion. With $255 million on deadline day alone. Holy crap, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Yeah. Uh, La Liga side Hitafe signed Mason Greenwood on loan from Manchester United. Could be a very good signing for them. We'll yeah, see. let's see if he can get his career back on track. Yeah. And speaking of Spain and their federation of never-ending turmoil, we got lots of news. The Spanish women's national team coach, Jorge Vilda, has resigned. Spain's, that, yeah. Liga, Spain's Liga F has announced the players will be going on strike for the first two match weeks. And then uh, yesterday, Spain's Jenny Hermoso has accused Luis Rubiales of sexual assault for kissing her on the lips without consent after the World Cup final. So that's the turn that it's all taken. Any thoughts or moving on? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of spoken about it before. This thing's been in the news nonstop since the yeah. Women's World Cup final. I guess I'm curious on why they are striking the first two matches. I'm not sure what I guess that really does. I, that yeah. would be my only question. I think they're just trying to get Rubiales to quit. Put pressure on the clubs to get him to quit, I guess. I, you know, I don't know. What are they going to do? He can't resign because he's been ordered to have nothing to do with football for 90 days. So he yeah. can't even call in a press conference, speak about soccer, nothing. So I don't I agree with you. I don't know what good it does, but good for them for making a stand, I guess. Yeah, that's that's true and all of them sticking together. Mhm. Yeah, it does seem to be one unified message. I will give him that. Okay, staying in Spain. Sergio Ramos has finally found a new club. He had offers from Saudi Arabia, from the Premier League, from Turkey, and he re-signed with Sevilla after 18 years where he played in 2004 and 2005 for the first team. Yeah, I saw that. It was uh, I saw a picture of that was going around. It was him and Jesus Navas started there. Mm-hmm. back when they were kids and uh Sergio Ramos he's taking a huge pay cut uh, he got offered 20 million a year in Saudi Arabia then he's going to Sevilla to collect one mil a year well you know I know not all about do, money for some of the players we, we would do that if Arsenal offered us a contract so <laughs> honestly I would take one pound but you know someone you got to make a living somewhere okay uh, and probably my favorite transfer deadline day move, Real Betis completed the signing of Barcelona youngster 
Eze Abde for 7.5 million euros. I thought this was shocking since they said they were not going to sell him. They need money, so apparently they did. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and they did put some clauses in this one. They have a buyback clause of $20 million that's only valid for the next, essentially, two years, starting next summer. They also okay. have a 50% sell-on clause. So they get 50% of whatever transfer fee he goes for if they don't buy him in those two years. So I think It's a good chunk might... of a sell-on clause. Yeah. Especially for a guy who looks to be one of the best up-and-coming players as far as from, is it La Masia? I always pronounce La it wrong. La Masia? Something like that. Yeah, or know. Youth Academy, basically. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Staying in Spain yet again. For our last piece of Spanish news, we have our first coaching casualty of the year. By Kike Setien, been fired by Villarreal after being appointed in October of 2022 after Unai Emery left. Yeah, I was kind of a little bit surprised. I mean, I mean, Villarreal aren't doing fantastic. They're in 15th place. Yeah, they got one win out of their four games they've played, so it's not the best start, but very yeah, me, early. I mean, it's four, ga- yeah, 10 games? four games in. Give yeah. him at least a full month. Holy crap. I guess maybe they're thinking because it's the international break that they would give him time to replace him. Potentially. I mean, it gives him a couple weeks. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me this soon, especially the way they finished last season. Unless they got a coach lined up already that they want to bring in. Yeah. I mean, Bournemouth did that. Yes, so, they did. Yeah, I, I, it's not Wolves a bad Wolves did it. Yeah. Wolves, I, I think, mean, last year with Thomas Tuchel and Graham Potter. Yeah. Or Julian Nagelsmann and Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. So they must have someone they want, would be my yeah. guess. I guess so. So we have our uh, official piece of comedic relief for transfers. And it comes okay, from a big star. <laughs> Marco Verratti is very close to joining Al-Arabi from PSG for 45 million euros. So the reason apparently that it took so long for him to get the deal to where it is now. Oh, I heard about this. I'm yeah. about a fake agent, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Apparently an agent who was not representing him has been in negotiations with teams around Europe and Saudi Arabia and Qatar for him. And they thought That's they were hilarious. actually speaking to his agent. Hilarious. <laughs> but it I looks mean, like he's guy, going to Qatar. <laughs> yeah. For for a guy that is of his ilk and caliber and has had such a good career, you would think that people would be able to sniff that out. I'm just saying. Apparently, maybe this guy does need to become an agent. Could have been getting good deals for him. Yeah, right? <laughs> Shoot. That's uh, hilarious, though. Yeah. Another done deal, Al Etifak and Steven Gerrard have signed Everton winger Damari Gray for £8 million. Yet another player that Everton didn't need to lose, but did anyways. Uh, Everton. We'll talk about their transfers later. Yeah, it's, it's bad. 
Tottenham shipping out some dead wood. We got Tunga and Dombele and Davidson Sanchez both joined Galatasaray. Dombele on a season-long loan and Davidson Sanchez on permanent transfer for 9.5 million euros. Manchester United's Eric Bailly has signed for Besiktas on a free transfer, so they let him go for free. I guess he wasn't playing and they needed his wages off the books, so good deal for both parties. And now we're going to get to our never-ending stream of Manchester United news. <laughs> yeah, Man United! Yay! Uh, after news that the Glazers would not be selling the club, their stock price has dropped 20%. Half of six hundred million, I think it was five hundred and fifty million pounds. Yeah. Crazy yeah, doesn't get any better than that because it this is a, no one. <laughs> this is in addition to the one point five billion pounds in losses in the transfer dealings since two thousand fourteen. In comparison, Chelsea have one point zero three billion in losses, and they just spent a billion. I mean, they spent that billion over a year, but this is since yeah. 2014. Yeah, so. and, but and then United, man, they had like all the players they've sold have not been for very big fees at all, man. And then they go and spend a lot of money on Onana, a lot of money, a lot of land. Yeah, I mean, going back to last saying season, his name wrong on purpose. But. Yeah, that's okay. It's funnier that way. And then going back to last season, you got Anthony, you got Sancho. James Sancho the year before. Casemiro like, wasn't cheap. Yeah. There's lots of money thrown at players. Not going to, I mean, Mason Mount too. What, uh, he hasn't even really played that much. Oh, he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, and you so, think some, how much money ahead. they've have sold. Like think of the players that have left. Haven't been for very many big fees. Nah, I'm trying to I, think I, of one at the top of my head, man. I can't, I'd have to look it up. No, <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, I mean they've been trying to get rid of players for forever. David de Gea left for free. Cristiano Ronaldo left for free. All right, on to the next bit of news. Ex girlfriend of Anthony has come out with even more accusations against the Manchester United winger as of Monday. On top of the original allegations from June, he has since been removed from the Brazil squad for their upcoming World Cup qualifiers against Peru and Bolivia. And they say that's to protect the Brazilian Federation, the player, the and the accuser until the investigation is concluded. Manchester United have declined to comment whether it would affect his squad status. We'll see what ends up of Honestly, it. if it's false, like, you know, the Mason Greenwood stuff and all of the other players that have been affected by this, I feel bad. I really do. His performances on the field may not, you know, may make me laugh. But this <laughs> kind of stuff never needs to happen. If it is yeah. it is true, on the other hand, that's just not a good situation. So. Uh, going back, though, Manny Knight is their sellings. It was Dean Henderson and Anthony Alanga for 17.5 million pounds. That was it. Dean Henderson was for 20, if I'm not mistaken. And then Fred went for just under 10. Oh, shit. And Alex I mean, Tellis left for just over four. 
So about 60 million pounds. <laughs> if that. Yeah, if that. They spent more on Mason Mount. They did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eric Ten Hag and Jaden Sancho are currently in a very public argument over Sancho's recent form in training. Ten Hag says he's been poor, and that's why he wasn't in the squad against Arsenal. Sancho has come out on uh, Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days saying that it wasn't because of his tra- or his uh, training performances and that it, there's an agenda out against him. Honestly, I don't even care what happened. What the literal fudge is going on with Manchester United right now? Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't... Jaden Sancho, if you have terrible training performances, don't come out in public and dispute that. That's something for the manager behind the scenes. And Eric Ten Hag, you don't say that in public. Yeah, exactly. I think you're 100% spot on, man. Whatever beef they have, keep it behind closed doors. Keep it to the manager's office and the dressing room. It doesn't leave there. It makes me think, what would happen if this happened under Sir Alex Ferguson? I mean, you even just you wouldn't hear anything of it. I mean, even you you've been a player. Imagine if your coach came out and said, "Yeah, he's playing like shit. I'm not going to play him. He's not performing well in practice. He's not trying hard." How does that make you feel? Probably not very good. No, I'd be pissed off. So I, I wouldn't go on the social would, media, and then I can see why Sancho would come out and say that. So I, I place the blame solely on Ten Hag. If he's not getting the best out of his players, well, I mean, that's that's his job as a coach, to get the best right. out of your players. Let's not forget, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. And he's had disputes with Harry Maguire, David De Gea, Cristiano Ronaldo. Just saying. Might be on to something <laughs> And then the here. way they're playing and the results on the field aren't helping his case either. No, they're not. Which we'll talk about this weekend's game, I'm sure, in yeah, lots of detail. Lots of detail. And uh, I'm not going to lie, it's the last thing we'll talk about. All right. Targo, Louis Van Hal is at it again, complaining about the World Cup again. Oh my god, let it go, Van Hal. Yeah. This time he's saying, it was premeditated that Messi would win the World Cup. Uh, his players have since spoken out and said, I don't know what you're smoking but you're wrong. Most notably, Virgil van Dyke. When will he just accept yeah. it and stop complaining? He lost. I mean, they lost their first game, I guess. Yeah. Against Saudi Arabia. And then he had to have a messy smoke show against Croatia, man. Turning Gavordiol inside out and scoring in the World Cup final and then going to PKs, winning on PKs. Like, yes. There was no premature anything. There was no agenda for Argentina. Lionel Messi was just that good. Emmy Martinez it. has to come up with a fantastic that save too. in the time that moment. So. Let's not let's not forget <laughs> about that one. Holy crap. So Van Hal's got the good stuff. That's mm. that's all I can say, and he's using it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh someone who has the good stuff and not he used in to have the terms. good stuff. <laughs> not in playing terms. Uh free agent Jesse Lingard, he uh, apparently has a whole host of clubs up want to sign him now that transfer window's over. I mean, Wolves, West Ham, Burnley, Sheffield United, and Everton have all inquired about his services. Hmm. I guess the only question to ask here is which team would be the best fit for him, do you think? 
Uh, I don't think he'd be a good fit at West Ham anymore. I don't think he'd be a good fit at Burnley. I can really, I have, I have two choices in my mind. I would say Wolves or Sheffield. I was going to go with Sheffield or Everton since they just lost Damari Gray. At this point, Everton need bodies that could potentially produce something. Because they don't got anything right now. Same could be said about Sheffield and Wolves. (laughs) Touche. (laughs) Touche, my friend. Well, to some good news. And on a good note, let's end on a good note here, man. Good news. Jude Bellingham, um, man on fire. Scored his fourth straight game, this time with a winner in the 95th minute as Real Madrid beat Hitafe 2-1. Man just can't stop scoring. He's making La Liga look easy. The the weight of that that, uh, Real Madrid jersey is proving real light on him. Yeah, must be that new Adidas fabric. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But he is making La Liga look easy. I, I mean, did you expect this from him to come out this hot in a team with midfield a midfield that good no not at all maybe like came in he came in saying he was ready to learn from Modric and Kroos they're learning from him man (laughs) I I would go either what you said or man is he a quick learner (laughs) yeah (laughs) holy crap you give him a summer to spend with Modric and Kroos and this is what happens. What's it gonna be like in five years? I just turned twenty. I know. He's still in the running for the Golden Boy Award. That's what's crazy. <laughs> for like the third year in a row. I don't get it. Alright. On to some transfer window winners and losers, Targo. I think this is gonna be fun. But before we really get into it. Those of you who listen to our predictions, we're going to let you know which ones we got right. Because we don't care about what ones we got wrong. <laughs> Targo, I'll start with you because, I mean, you only made two predictions. You got yeah, 50% of them right. Yeah, I'm not the prediction right. guru like you, man. And, and I'm going to call you out on this one because uh, I'm pretty sure you said Tottenham should sign Brendan Johnson a long time ago. I did say at the beginning of the window, if they sold Harry Kane, he'd be an option to look at. And guess what? Sir Scout Targo, <laughs> you did it right. Woo! 100%, man. One. I give you props there. That's pretty damn good. Um, I got some right, but I'll be honest with you. I kind of had the inside track on all of these, thanks to Fabrizio Romano, so... Record spending over $2 billion in the Premier League. Benucci to Berlin. Gigi Wijnaldum to join Stevie G. And Barca signed Jao Felix. I didn't think Barca would get that Jao Felix one over the line, if I'm being honest. They somehow just seem to get them all over the line. So that's why Pulling I said money out at, of somewhere. What, at what cost. And it was letting Ansu Fati leave, selling as Abde. You just let two of your, I mean, I guess Ansu Fati will be back, but I mean, they let two of their best young players go. So with that, who are the biggest losers of the transfer window at Targo? 
So I'm going to start with a hot take. This one might be a little bit of a hot take here. Okay. I'm listening. Liverpool. Okay. I think had a bad transfer window. Why? So we look at the players they lost. It was pretty much their entire midfield. Mm Mm-hmm. Jordan Henderson, Fabinho, Oxley, Chamberlain, Navi Keita. Yeah, it was like seven I, midfielders. Yeah, they lost them. a bunch of them. They lost Firmino, and they brought it. They brought in a whole new midfield. Uh, we got Dominic Zapotzalai, mm-hmm. Alexis McAllister, uh, this Japanese guy, or I think he's Japanese, Otaro Endo, and they brought in Ryan Gravenberch. So both and McAllister, fantastic signings. We knew McAllister would thrive in the Premier League. He's been doing it. So both is kind of a young, unproven talent, but he's looking good. We knew the skill was there. Endo, older midfielder from Stuttgart from the Bundesliga. And then Ryan Gravenberch. Very unproven. Hasn't played a lot. Yeah. Very unproven. He went from Ajax to Bayern Munich where he didn't play at all. And now he's come to Liverpool in the Premier League. So... I have my doubts there. I do. But it's not just that. I guess where they really lost was in their negotiations with Romeo Lavia and Moises Caicedo losing out to Chelsea. They lost big there. They had a big money bid accepted by Brighton, and Caicedo said no. Their main target, young player, Romeo Lavia, they were negotiating with him what seemed like all summer. And then they lose out to him last minute to Chelsea. And so that's that's got to (laughs) hurt. So then they go to these kind of two unproven players and Wataro Endo and Ryan Gravenberch. Yeah, not to mention the the player that we both thought that they should and would sign this summer. They didn't even bid for him. And Jude Bellingham. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then they bid more for Moises Caicedo. What in what world does that make sense? It doesn't, man. It doesn't. They could have got Jude Bellingham, who probably would have gone to Liverpool. Cheaper than Moises Caicedo, the offer they put in for him. Yeah, it would have saved almost 20 mil. So, yeah, that's... And then sticking with Merseyside, I got to talk about Everton and their transfer. Lack of business, let's call it. Yeah. So this is a team that has barely survived the last two seasons. And what did they do this transfer window, man? Not a lot. I mean, they got brought in. They desperately need goals. And they brought in a couple strikers in uh, Danjuma and Beto. Yeah. They got a youngster, Shermiti. Shermiti, however you pronounce it. He looks like a young up-and-comer. And then they lost Alex Awobi, and who's probably one of their best performers last season. And then if they not, lost Tamari Gray. That. Yeah. And they, and, they brought in Jack and Harrison. Don't forget Neil Mope. <laughs> they sold him, yeah. <laughs> they did bring in Jack Harrison, who I think could be a good signing. But I mean, let's be honest. These are these proven Premier League players. And Danjuma, Beto. No, young we saw Dan Juma last season for Tottenham, and he was awful. Well, he didn't really play. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. When he did play, he was awful. 
And, and so uh, I think so much pressure to put on young forward in Beto to produce. And so I think I think they they're going to struggle. They I, finally I, got a goal this this weekend, so that's good for them. Yeah. But Two. yeah, man, I <laughs> And then I have to shout out honorable mentions for a terrible transfer window to Sheffield United and Wolves. Okay. And Sheffield's um, sold yeah, their probably best two so. players in Sander Burge and Ilman and DI and didn't replace them. And mm-hmm. Wolves sold a host of talent and obviously did not replace them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Which have anything leads- good to say about Sheffield, United, Wolves, or Everton as far as the transfer window goes. But yeah, I would say that Liverpool hot take, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I would say their transfer failings is definitely the worst part of their transfer window. Yes. They became the laughing stock of the Premier League. Yeah, when did Chelsea become a bigger club, I guess, than Liverpool? Never. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. All right. So I Let got, hear I got yours. A, I got a hot take too. Okay, I do. Okay, Let, let's go back in time, Targo. Okay, close your eyes. Let's go back to I don't know, beginning of the transfer window or January. If I was to tell you a team would sign Johnny Evans, Rasmus Hoyland, Mason Mount, Sergio Regulon. And Sofian Amrabat. Who would you think it was? Nottingham Forest or Manchester United? <laughs> I wouldn't think Nottingham Forest. Maybe a. If I took Aston out Rasmus Hoyland, if I took out okay, Rasmus yep. Hoyland, I bet you would think. That's why I didn't include Onana on here because obviously <laughs> he would not sign for Nottingham Forest. But that's my point. Manchester United's transfer window is something of a team that's mid to bottom of the table, barring two players. This is supposed to be one of the biggest teams in the world. Players are wanting to go to, even if there's no Europe. And they still have Europe. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. Not to mention you can see by their performances on the field how bad it actually is. I think it we'll didn't help the whole sale of the club at the beginning of the transfer window. And so I'm guessing a lot of money wasn't given to them. But if you look at their transfers, they obviously spent quite a spent bit of money. Bit, yeah. So I, I'm not sure what happened there, if that had something to do with it. Because you would have thought, you know, no disrespect to Rasmus Hoyland, but they could have gotten a, prover, a little bit more proven striker, I guess. Yeah. We'll see what he does. I mean, obviously, he looked all right when he came on the field against Arsenal, but young but, kid, I mean, a lot of pressure to place on his shoulders. Also, the bar's not very high when it's you and Anthony Martial. So, <laughs> but yeah, you look at how much money they spent, and you has it made not, them better? Not has it no, made them better? Not, not great value for money. I will say that. And then. Well, I mean, they signed 11 players, $400 million spent, and still have no depth. And yes, I'm talking about Chelsea. Which is interesting, because we we'll, said they were the winners here a couple weeks ago. We did. 
And then what the play on the field is said otherwise. I don't know if that's a manager thing, if that's a player thing. I don't know. We'll get into that a little bit later. Yes, we hey, will. <laughs> go. One of my favorite categories of this, most surprising signing of the summer. Because there were a lot. There were. Like, I had to give an honorable mention, man. I'll start Say with my it. honorable mention. Okay. Just just because I feel like this one, it came out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden Literally. it was rumored, and then all of a sudden it was done. And that was Cole Palmer from Manchester City to Chelsea. Yeah. And, I mean, props to Manchester City. You got a guy who started or played in pretty much, what, a handful of games? He had two good performances. You get 45 million pounds for him. Pretty good deal for them. Yeah. And then the other ones, I got two that I want to mention. I'll start with uh, David Raya from Brentford to Arsenal. I'll admit I did not see that one coming. It's still kind of head-scratching. Wonder how it's going to work out. Yeah, especially... He's a fantastic goalkeeper, don't get me wrong, but having two very good goalkeepers, I think, can cause issues if you don't know who your number one's going to be. Well, I mean, we've seen it before, right? With PSG, Kaylor Navas, Gigi Donnarumma. That didn't end well for one of the goalies. I, I mean, especially the structure of this deal, with it being a loan with uh, option or obligation to buy, depending on performances. And the fact that Tottenham bid more for him earlier in the window, and he tur- and they, that bid got turned down. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an interesting one. Definitely, for me, a little bit of a head-scratcher as to why it was done more than that it got done. Um, The other one, though, I didn't see this one coming. It's Ansu Fati from Barcelona to Brighton. (laughs) What a signing for Brighton, I feel like. If they can get the best out of him, we'll see. We'll see if he plays. Like I know we've talked about, where's he going to play? I mean, you got Gauro Matoma and then Sully March. So, you know, we had mentioned this could be more of a depth buy as they get into the European games. But still, that's an interesting one. Good job on Brighton on it, though. Yeah, I mean, again, this one came out of nowhere, too. I mean, we were talking about Tottenham and Arsenal going for him, and then all of a sudden Brighton got him on loan. I don't understand. But, yeah, right. Fantastic signing for Brighton, and what a coup for a player of his caliber. So who do you got as your biggest transfers? Well, I'll go with my honorable mention. (laughs) Honorable mention. Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. Because I never actually thought it would happen that Daniel Levy would let him go. I didn't. I didn't think he would let him go. He was going to be stuck there forever. Yeah. I just thought he was going to be stuck until his contract ran out. And either he was going to sign a new contract because he just wanted to stay at Tottenham. Lacked a little bit of ambition. Or he was going to leave for free next summer, but not this summer. So that's my honorable mention. And I got three surprises because, well, I couldn't just stick with the two of them. Sandra Tonali to Newcastle. I did not think AC Milan were going to let him go, especially with how good he's been for him in recent years. Was a bit of of a surprise, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the fact that David De Gea is still a free agent as of this recording. 
Yeah, that's. That I don't was... get it, man. Between Saudi Arabia, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, any of them, and any club Chelsea. in between. <laughs> yeah, no one has even really attempted to sign him. I guess Bayern Munich did. Apparently, he's got offers from Saudi Arabia and Qatar. But I mean, he's not washed up. He's still a decent goalie. He's a fantastic Real Madrid shot could have got him for free. Yeah. Real Madrid could have got him for free. I don't know. And my most surprising one, it's uh, no secret, Gabri Viega to Al Ali. What a shame. Interesting career move. What a shame. What could have been Gabri Viega? You could have gone to Napoli. Played with two of the best players in the world. But you went to Saudi Arabia for the money. So, I'm interested to see how that one turns out. But Same. it was an absolute shock to me. Especially since he was in negotiations to go to Napoli. Okay, now that we got done with the losers and the surprises, Targo. Who are the big winners of this transfer window? Man, it's got to be just the Saudi Pro League. The players they got, man, is crazy. Not to mention, Chelsea spent more than their entire league did and has so far. And the names and players that they got versus the players that Chelsea got, I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, Chelsea's not paying them probably as much in wages, but... Hell no. So there's that. But let me... I'm going to go through some of these names. I mean, they got Karim Benzema for free, and Golon Kante from Chelsea for free. Ruben Neves from Wolves for 55 million euros. Koludu Kulubali for 17 million pounds. Edward Mendy for 16 million. Steven Gerrard as a coach. Marcelo Brozovic from Inter Milan for 18 million euros. Jota from Celtic for 25 million pounds. Roberto Firmino for free. Serge Milinkovic-Savic for 40 million euros from Lazio. Seco Fofana from Lens. Or, sorry, Long for 25 million euros. <laughs> Alex Telles from Man United. Malcolm from Zenit St. Petersburg. Jordan Henderson. Musa Dembele. Riyad Mahrez. Alan St. Maximan. Fabinho. Sadio Mane. Frank Kessie. Neymar, Yassine Bonu, Alexander Mitrovic, Otavio, Ayamaric Laporte, Gabri Viega, Ginny Wijnaldum, Yannick Carrasco. And they're still looking to get Mo Salah. <laughs> yeah. It's just an insane amount of players for that price. And so they, they I mean, got to be the winners in my book. I mean, they, Yeah, they're on my list too. I mean, how can you not put them on there for real? It's tough, yeah. (laughs) I will say PSG also had a fantastic window. They did. They did. They got Colo Moani, Manuel Ugarte, Usman Dembele, Lucas Hernandez, Hugo Ekatike, Kangen Lee, Javi Simmons, Milan Skriniar, Marco Asensio. Did you say Goncalo Ramos? Con Carlos Ramos on loan, yo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the amount of talent they got. Plus, keeping Mbappe. 
which also is big for them. Yes. And then also I got to give a shout out to a few teams out there. You know, Arsenal, I feel like had a decent transfer window. Bayern Munich had a decent transfer window. And West Ham United, I feel like they spent that Declan Rice money very well. Very, very well. Yes. You can see it with their early season form. Yes, you can. And I know some on your list I also would mention, but I'll let you speak to them. Okay. Well, I'll start with my honorable mention. Tottenham Hotspur. Who would have thought that I would have put them on my list with my immense dislike and hatred for them? I mean, they signed Brennan Johnson, $55 million. These are all in euros, by the way, because I didn't want to do the conversion rate. James Madison, $46.3 million. Pedro Porro for 40 and Dejan Kulisevsky for 30 who joined them permanently. Mickey Vanderven for 22 Gigliermo Vicario, who's looking like a fantastic signing, for 20 mil. Uh, Youngster and Alejo Veliz for 15 Manor Solomon for free, which is looking like a steal. And they got what they wanted, $100 million for Harry Kane. They got rid of Deadwood. Lucas Mora out for free. Harry Winks, they got $11.5 million for him. Sergio Regulon. Uh, Tungai Dombele and Davidson Sanchez for $9.5 million. So I would say that's a pretty darn good window, especially since you got a hundred, they got a hundred mil for Harry Kane. Sneaky bit of business there by Spurs. Sneaky. And then, uh, I did have the Saudi pro league on here. You covered them already. You can't not have them on there. I mean, come yeah. on. you've seen that window and I kind of went off the beaten path for my other three. Three, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I had PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, all on there. I'd take them off because I went with more of a better value for money spent. So I'm going to start with Galatasaray. Okay. Their window was ridiculous. Okay, they spent 10 million on Mario Cardi. $9.5 million on Davidson Sanchez. Got Kareem Demerbay for four. Uh, Khan Ehan for 2.8. Cedric Bakumbu, or Bakumbu for $1 million. They got Tete and Luis Zaha for free. Hakeem Ziyech, Angelino, and Dombele on loan. And then they got $5 million to loan out Nicolo Zaniolo. Their net spend is minus $14 million. And they added $75 million on market value to their squad. Not to mention, um, they're going to cause some trouble for some teams in Europe. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Quality players there. Yeah. And then we're going to go over to Germany in Xabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen. They were already a solid team last year, and they went above and beyond this summer. They got Nathan Tella from Southampton for $23 million. One of my signings of the summer, even though I didn't quite put him on there, Victor Boniface, $20 million. Granite Jaka for 15 Jonas Hoffman from Muchen Gladbach for 10 Alejandro Grimaldo for free. They got Joseph Stanisic from Bayern on loan. They sold Musa Diaby for $55 million to Aston Villa. And 
Michael Backer, uh, Mitchell Backer, sorry, uh, to Atalanta for 10. And Demrabai to Gal- uh, Galatasaray. So, they're looking much better than they were last season with these signings. Yeah, and they kept their defense. Jonathan Ta, Edmund, Edmund Tapsova, Jeremy Frimpong, which I think was key as well. 100%. And then my last team, which you and I have been singing their praises about their transfer business all summer, and that's yeah. AC Milan. I mean, the players they got for value of money is insane. I mean, they got Christian Pulisic for $20 million. Samuel Chukweze, $20 million. Yunus Musa, $20 million. Tiani Rendiers, $19 million. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, $16 million. Noah Okafor, who's looking like a steal for $14 million. They got Luka Jovic for free, which could be a fantastic signing. It could also be a terrible signing. And then they yeah. got they got one of the best up, up-and-coming young right-backs from a rival in uh, Luka Romero from Lazio for free. And then they sold Sandro Tonali for $64 million. So the majority of this money came from selling Sandro to now. Yeah, they never spent more than 20 mil on a player. Yeah. It's it's fantastic business, and they look much better than they did last year. So they do. Those are my big winners of the transfer window. So with that all said, Targo, which signing will have the most impact for their respective clubs? There's a lot to choose from. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I know you kind of put your list out there before mine, and so I agree with your number one pick there, your first one, because I wanted to put him. But <laughs> since you got him, I went with a couple others. Uh, so there's three of them I got. I think Harry Kane Yeah, could be a huge one for Bayern Munich. Last season, they were calling out for a striker terribly. They finally got one. So we'll see how he does. Harry Kane, you know, he's good for 20, 30 goals. Yeah, and in the Bundesliga, at the rate he's going, it could be 40. <laughs> could be. Scary. But I think one, a couple that I couldn't tell you which one I would put first. I think they're probably both pretty equal. But one is going to be Declan Rice for Arsenal. We've seen it already. Yeah. He's just a fantastic player in that position. He makes every team better. He's one of the best in the world in that position. So it's it's no doubt he'll 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 help them out a lot. Mm. His leadership quality, I think, also is a huge factor in that decision. Then I'm going to go with his replacement at West Ham, James Ward Prowse. I think he's going to be a little bit unexpected. He's already popped up with a couple assists, a goal for West Ham United, and West Ham look look good. Or not? Well, I mean, you think of where West Ham were at this point last year, towards the bottom of the table, and they never quite recovered. <laughs> this year, they're sitting in the top four. <laughs> it's a big difference. What can I say? And they, as the teams look- they beat, they beat Brighton, they beat Chelsea. And they look good doing it too. They do, and and, and you know I'd mentioned previously how West Ham spent that money. It's James Ward-Prowse, Edson Alvarez, Mohamed Kudus. 
So it's, it's, an it's exciting times, I think, for West Ham. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Which not... I would not have said at the beginning of this <laughs> before week one. I know, especially because it's not every day that a team sells their best player and then finds suitable replacements. Like most times, it takes them a couple of years to find those replacements. And well, Sam went out and did it in a month. I would say the same thing could be said about Spurs, the way they spent that Harry Kane money. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, they got to replace a lot of goals. So, Well, they're scoring them under Ange. Yeah. They, they definitely are. Um, and Lord Lord knows what <laughs> how many they would score with Harry Kane in that squad. So. <laughs> So which players this transfer window do you think will have the biggest impact? So I, I got to do an honorable mention to Victor Boniface and Granit Xhaka at Bayer Leverkusen. They got a proven leader and a guy who is seems to be an ageless wonder in Granit Xhaka, and then a guy who tore up the Europa League last year, Victor Boniface. They both have already shown that they're great signings. I mean, Boniface has got like five or six goal contributions already in assists and goals so yeah yeah he has and a guy I couldn't leave out Jude Bellingham for Real Madrid I did not think he was going to make this much of an impact but you know with the at the rate he's going he's probably going to break whatever record there is for most goals by a midfielder in the season do you think he has the potential to be the best midfielder Real Madrid's had Ooh, that is a very very strong list I know. If he I stays think the top at of that Re- list, might be Zidane. But yeah, I- yeah. I-, I think if he stays, I mean, if he stays till he's thirty, very well could be with the potential he has. I'm not going to say yes or no for that because that. I mean, you got to be better than Zidane. Come on, Figo. He's got a whole list of world class midfielders they've had over the years. So I. He has the potential, yes. Will he? I don't know if he stays there long enough to be that. If he continues the way he's going, he will be. Yeah. And then, surprisingly, I never thought I would say this, James Madison for Tottenham Hotspur will have the most impact for their club because if he stays healthy the whole season at the rate he's going, I don't know if many teams can stop it. You know, I almost got to give a shout out to Ange Posakoglu. Yeah, an impact a perfect signing. player for his system. Yes. And he's having him play the way that suits James, James Madison. Yeah. I think best. Kind of floating in between the lines, telling him to get forward, go create something, go score a goal. And he's doing just that. Yeah. And not to mention, he's. Finding some great assists as well, especially on the counter. So, when they look to break, you get him the ball. I mean, it's dangerous every single time. So, so what do you guys think? Who will have the most impact for their new club? Who's had the best transfer window, the worst transfer window? Are we right? Are we wrong? Do we forget somebody? Let us know. Make sure to check out that Facebook group and put it on there. All right, Targo. 
we had a very eventful match week four in the English Premier League. Some big games. So let's get into it. We had Luton Town. First game at home. Playing West Ham. We knew it was always going to be quite the scene. I mean, they must have covered that stadium for an hour before the game. They didn't even talk <laughs> yeah. about players on the field. I mean, we thought. You know, could West Ham keep their cool and their form at the same time? Would it be Luton surprising people because they're at home? They got so much energy and the fans behind them. Well, West Ham ran out two to one winners in this one. They did keep their cool, but not without a scare or two. Yeah, this was an interesting one because West Ham, for once, didn't have to play counterattacking football like they did against <laughs> Brighton and Chelsea. And so they were up to two nil, couple headers from Jared Bowen and I Kurt Zuma. Yeah. And so yeah, all three goals in this game were scored by headers. <laughs> Luton got one late, but it just wasn't enough. I was hoping maybe Luton could pull a fast one on West Ham. Yeah, and I mean it wasn't a bad shout, especially, you know, new team. We saw what what can happen with a new team in the Premier League playing you know, a historical squad. I mean, Brentford did it to Arsenal in their first game back in the Premier League at home. There wasn't a bad shout. I did pick West Ham, and they did win. So, Yes, he did. Okay, on to the uh, relegation derby. Sheffield United and Everton. Arguably one of the two, or two of the worst teams in the Premier League. We thought, I thought at least, that it might be an absolute snooze fest. This one ended 2-2 in a draw, and it was completely the opposite. Yeah, it was. Pickford, man, with one of the unluckiest goals you'll get. It really was. Shot coming off the bar, back off him, into the goal. It reminded me of the penalty kick that Tim Howard had, where it bounced off the post, hit him in the back of the head, and went in. Yeah, it it was for Manchester United. (laughs) It might have been for Everton. I don't know. But it was very similar. I just... Like, what are the odds that ball does that? I just feel bad for him because he had such a good game. Oh, man, he had a fantastic double save there at the end. Kept I don't him know in how it. he does that. Where do you think this Everton team would be without Jordan Pickford? I don't know. Probably like League One. Somewhere around. <laughs> Relegated two years ago. <laughs> Sunderland or Portsmouth is. The way so it's curious. Chelsea... So, you know, Chelsea were looking for a goalkeeper. I guess, did they ever inquire about Jordan Pickford? Do you think he would have been a good fit there? Or? I think he would have been a great fit there. Um, I don't know if he was of the profile they're looking for, because he's in his 30s now, isn't he? That I don't know. Well, I do know that, you know, Chelsea signed pretty much everybody the age 25 and younger. So, Not quite. He's 29. Okay. Well, I'm going to stick with my Chelsea went for everybody that was 25 and younger. Because I know Robert Sanchez is 25. They signed one person that's 26, I think. Maybe that was Robert Sanchez. But still, I don't know why they wouldn't have gone for Pickford, because he would have probably cost less than Robert Sanchez did. Or about the same. Yeah, And he would have been a much better shot stopper. Maybe not as good with his feet but a much better shot stop. 
But you called this one also. You called the draw. Yeah, well done. That was uh, luck of the draw. <laughs> well, let's get to games I didn't get right. Uh, Manchester City against Fulham. Could Fulham keep their solid form against the champions? No. They could not. They lost 5-1. to one. City are too damn good. Yeah. They're too damn good. And to be honest, I don't think they played well in this game. No, they never looked Which like they got out of funny second to see. gear. <laughs> they didn't look like they were trying that hard. Yeah, I mean, the only real controversy was, was the second goal that went in. That's not just a little bit of controversy. <laughs> it's a lot of controversy. Yeah, Ake's goal was an awful call. Kanji in the way. Not only was he in the way, it's the way he influenced Burnt Leno's reaction to it. He did. Because Burnt Leno stops for a second to see if he's going to get a touch on it, and then it makes him dive late, essentially. Yeah, and he jumped up, and the ball went through his legs. That, by definition, is offsides. I think it should have been. Yeah. Uh, today, they came out and said that, well, they made a mistake. Oh, there's at least one a week, at least, right? <laughs> at least one against Manchester City. Shoot, I thought that they were just paying all the refs. So, <laughs> One for Manchester City, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They needed to be against them. Anyways, yeah, Holland with yet another hat trick. He's got five and four. Julian Alvarez, though, I want to talk about him playing more as a number 10 pivot because he looks fantastic in that role. He's just a good player, man. What can't he do? How about that? (laughs) They're going to start putting him at, at left back or right back like they did Bernardo Silva because I bet he still could kill it there, too. I. I, can't, I have no bad things to say about Julian Alvarez, especially since he's conquered football at the age of what twenty three. He's one. Yeah, much you, I mean, you know how high I've been on high on Alvarez, man, since last year. Yeah, so fantastic player. Uh, Jeremy Doku with his debut for City. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I kind of gave my thoughts in a previous episode. I watched him play for Belgium a couple times. He's quick, explosive, pace. He showed it again. Yeah. Still kind of waiting for that final product. Uh, he he doesn't quite have, I don't want to say the skill, but kind of that, that smooth touch that you expect kind of from a dribbler. He's just very more going to beat you for pace. Yeah, he looks like, I'll be honest, and this, is gonna, this might not be the right analogy to use, but he looks like someone who's really good at FIFA, but doesn't know how to use the, the trick stick. Very jerky. Um, but yeah, I mean, my I wait to judge, but my early thoughts is he's going to be a menace to defenses all season. He just lacks that final ball because he didn't put in very many good crosses, and he probably could have. I mean, he beat his defender nine times out of ten. So, but yeah, if you know Pep continues to work on him, I think they're going to have quite the player on their hands and have replaced Riyad Mahrez and then some. Yeah, and then, you know, just kind of overall thoughts. I thought Fulham played well for the first 30 minutes, really limited Manchester City's chances. And then one went in, and then pretty soon two, right before the half there, and then the Holland show. Yeah, as usual. And, 
and just watching this game, because I mean, so it was kind of interesting because Fulham played Manchester City this week, but last week they played Arsenal at the Emirates. And it just kind of goes to show, you know, Arsenal were second place last season, and you look at Man City who finished first. They were still just heads and shoulders above the rest of this league. Manchester City, man. Yeah. Didn't even have, like you said, get out of second gear to score five goals. One should have been offside, but... Yeah, and it might have changed the tide of the game as far as, like, by such a big scoreline. I still think City would have won the game, but they might not have won it by four goals. But it's just, they're just the best team, man. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they go on to win four Premier League titles. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, with Liverpool's defensive struggles and Arsenal's Achilles heel being Kai Havertz at the moment, if he doesn't start to produce, I think you're right. I just think that Arsenal Arteta is putting all of his eggs in the Kai Havertz basket, and if it doesn't pan out, look out. I think City's going to run away with this. They certainly have started well. Yeah, Perfect I, so far. I picked a draw. You picked City. Obviously, you were right. Win some, lose some. And then we go on to the team that we both thought, well, they might be up there towards the end of the season in Chelsea against Nottingham Forest. And it was, can Forest continue to get goals inside of the first couple minutes and play or play like that for 90? Well, they won this one 1-0 and scored inside the first couple minutes of the second half. But it was really more of one moment yeah. of brilliance from Forrest and Chelsea being Chelsea. I wouldn't call it a moment of brilliance by Forrest. I'd call it a mistake by Chelsea that Forrest took advantage Fair. of. So it's how just I would still more it. Chelsea being Chelsea. Yeah, I... You can tell it's a bunch of young players in that Chelsea squad. The chemistry is just not there. There's Something. no leadership. Think of who are the players in this team that will lead them. Raheem Sterling? Thiago Silva? Is there anybody else? <laughs> no. I knew you were going to ask me that. Cresswell, maybe. Reese James. If, <laughs> if he gets on the field. Play. Yeah. Otherwise, it's all young players, man. Yeah. And unfortunately, young players, there's a learning curve, and they make mistakes. They make poor choices sometimes, and so they cost you points. Yeah. Well, I will say, how impressive has Anthony Alonga been for Nottingham Forest, especially with that goal? Needs to be starting, I think. I think. So too, especially with Brandon Johnson leaving. And then how, I mean, at the other end, how impressive has Matt Turner been? I mean, honestly, I feel like he didn't have much to do in this game. He came up, I think, with a couple knife saves there at the end, but Chelsea didn't really test him. <laughs> Which is sad because they had 22 shots. <laughs> and I think two of them were on target yeah. or something like yeah. that. Was... Including a couple um, that were inside the six-yard box and uh, Nico Jackson missing the easiest of them all. Man, does his finishing need to improve, or Chelsea is going to struggle. Yeah, he had a real bad miss. It was bad. And then, yeah, Caicedo looks like he's still getting used to the team. 
he's only came on as a sub. This was his first start, so got to give him a few games, I would think. But he's the pressure certainly there after that transfer. Hey, he looks a shadow of what he did at Brighton. Even when he first, well, again, he's coming to a even new when team. When he first started for Brighton, he still looks like a shadow of that player. So I heard a pretty good analogy on ESPN uh, the other day. It's when, uh, for example, at Brighton, you know, they're kind of a well-oiled machine. And they, you know, players come and get bought. They put in a new one just to kind of fit back into the machine that's, you know, already going. Chelsea, they're trying to build the machine. It's not going. It's not well-drilled. They're trying to build it. And so to bring, you know, a player who performed well at another club and to bring them into a new one, it's it takes time. You have to get used to the players. You know, Potch still has quite the project on his hands of getting that team to play together. Yeah. Uh, with that said, with all of these new players, do you think Potch is that answer? Is he the coach to take them forward? I don't think there's anyone else better out there. It's the bad part. Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, you picked Chelsea. I picked Forrest in this one. I'll be honest with you. I got, I got, yeah, you I got, got that one. Again. And then, you know, you know, we'd mentioned Chelsea. We're going to talk about their transfers. They spent a billion dollars the past year. That's two, three, four, three. Windows. And you think with a billion dollars spent, that front line would look better than it, than it does. But I mean, I'll give them credit or that team would have more. Depth I'll give them credit. Christopher Cuckoo's out for the majority of the season. And, you know, I assume he was their big goal scorer. They brought in. But with his injury woes, you would think that they would have brought in somebody else. But, I mean, even think of Maduake or Mihailo Mudrik. I mean, they got Enzo Fernandez playing as a more of an attacking threat on that Chelsea squad. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's his best position. As we no, saw for Argentina, he played more of a defensive role. Yeah. And I also, I just, there's lots of stuff I don't like with Chelsea. I don't like their formation. I mean, they played with Playing with the back defenders. three with the wing backs. <laughs> you know, especially against a Forest team at home. You know, and they played in that summer series in the U.S. where they played a lot of Premier League teams. They played with back four and they looked yeah, good. the whole time. So I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me why they're doing this back three with wing backs. It, uh, I, don't, I don't get it. Especially since they won that summer series. Why not go back to what was working? Maybe they I, just need to pay you millions of pounds to become their coach. I don't know. As you say, I digress. Yeah, I digress. <laughs> All right, moving on to Burnley and Tottenham Hotspur. And honestly, we asked. This was the big question. Would we see a box-to-box game with Ange Ball and the way Vincent Company likes to play? Well, we got seven goals in this yes. one, so it definitely was. Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> uh, Tottenham winning 5-2. to two. I mean, it was very open. Seven goals scored kind of tells you it was. Burnley started well, scoring the early one, and then fell apart. Honestly, this there could have been more goals in this game. Tottenham could have had probably another three or four more. Burnley could have had another one or two. So this was it was a fun game to watch. Yes, that's for it sure. was. And you know, I got to point out, man. As for as much as we battered him last season, Seung Hyo Min with a hat trick in this one. Is this his return to form? So you know what's funny is when I was watching that game, I feel like he didn't do much, but he had some nice yeah. finishes, which I guess 
him playing in that striker position, which was another little interesting tidbit, as they played him as the striker and brought on Manor Solomon on the left. So Charleston, your boy, was sitting on the bench. Where he should be. I think it looked like a good move. That, that first goal by Son, man, was beautiful. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And you got James Madison looking like Kevin De Bruyne out there, continuing his red-hot form. I mean, I assume this is how a lot of Spurs games are going to go this season. And if they score like they have been, my uh, pick of them finishing 10th looks uh, mighty terrible. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. They look good. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, shout out to Manor Solomon, who got two assists in this one. God, does he look like a good pickup for free. We both picked Spurs. They won out. Went, ran out comfortable winners. You might remember on my underrated team of the season, I had a little shout out to Manor Solomon. You did. I mean, you know, he was one of the best impact subs all season for full. I don't know why they didn't start him more. Or try to keep him. There's another answer or question. I think they did try and they just didn't pan out. But Would you rather play for Tottenham or full? Great question. Fulham. <laughs> I wasn't even going to answer. I... <laughs> oh, God. All right. Moving on. Brentford and Bournemouth. I mean, I thought for sure that Brentford at home, this wasn't even going to be a game. It ended 2-2. Two to two. Bomo and Visa, could they keep up their goal scoring form? Yeah, they could. And Bomo getting the tying goal in extra time. But just, I want to talk about Justin Cliver. Because, man, did he put in a solid performance in his first start for the Cherries. Yeah, I really liked uh, a couple of the goals in this game. So, Matthias Jensen, player I know you're mm-hmm. fond of, he scored a free kick. Caught the goalie <laughs> cheating. Those are my favorite goals. I'm not going to lie. Like, the goalie, you're like, Okay, you think I'm going to put it there and you're going to cheat, but guess what? Middle finger to you, my friend. It's it. That's what you get. And then that Brian and Bum will go. He had a beautiful first touch to set himself oh, through. Yeah. But man, I feel like Brentford kind of shot themselves on this one with their four missed second goal. 100%. It was like a through ball over the top. And Rico Henry, man, you saw his pace. He beats the Bournemouth player. can't remember who it was. But he beats him for pace. And then he goes to play it back to the goalie and just hits it with his purse, man. Barely gets a hold of it. Bournemouth player hops onto it, passes it, sits the goalie down, and there you are. Yeah. Absolute horror of a back pass. But Mbomo looking good, man. Four goals, four games. Looking like prime Jude Bellingham over here. (laughs) (laughs) We both picked Brentford in this one, and uh, they did not. They did not win. (sighs) To their own chagrin. Okay. Crystal Palace and Wolves. Would we see the real Crystal Palace in this game? The one we've been wanting to see all season? Well, I'll say for the final 40 minutes, yes, I guess we did. 
They ran out three to two winners in this one, and your boy, Abricieze, impresses yet again with a goal. Yeah, what a first touch for that oh goal, too. God. And then kind of a funny assist off the back of Mateta. Yeah. Do you think he did that on purpose? I, he kind of has to. I mean, whether he thought it would pan out that way, I don't think so. But I think he's trying to get something on yeah, the ball. Yeah, I, I will give him and that. And hit it in that direction. But do you think he managed to, you know, give the old butt pass perfectly <laughs> to Precieze? <laughs> he managed to do it, man. I'll, I'll give him All credit. Right. I think he tries to get something on the body to push the ball in that direction i will say he meant to try to well, hit the ball it was that great way. improvisation by him either way and what a wonderful first touch and finish from abrizia who i can't imagine will be at crystal palace after this season no and then uh we thought you know how would wolves fare without matthias nunez so it looked okay but what we've been saying all season, uh, Huang Hechan needs to start. I feel like it should be obvious at this point. Yeah, he came off as a sub and scored a goal yeah, here. And he's got the most goals for Wolves this season. Off the bench. Put him on the field. Yeah, agreed. You picked a draw, I picked Palace. Palace winning this one. So let's get on to what you've all been waiting for, our Fab Five games to watch for this weekend and the storylines to watch in them. Our first game up was AS Roma and AC Milan, and we thought this was going to be a tasty affair, or at least I did until I saw Roma's form this season. It's been terrible. AC Milan running out 2-1 to winners in this one, and I mean... Like you said earlier, our our last episode, there were quite a few games in Serie A this weekend. Napoli and Lazio, probably that one should have been on here since Lazio won 2-1. to one. Yet Inter and Fiorentina, Inter demolishing them 4-0. to zero. Uh, The big question was, would we see Romelu Lukaku's debut? And I have to put it up here first because I know you're going to say, your boy Lukaku made his debut. <laughs> Yes, he did. Came off the bench in the 70th minute. And I will say he should have done better with the chance he did have, but at least he went close instead of skying it into Rosette. That was with his right foot, I believe, right? It was. He had fantastic hold-up play, I will say. I mean, that's what he's known for. So if Jose Mourinho can get them to capitalize on that, they'll be okay this season. But it just came down to AC Milan were that much better. I mean, they kept their goal-scoring form up. They now have eight goals in their first three games. Christian Pulisic did not keep his scoring form going, but what you said, what was it? The Olivier better than Neymar Giroud with yet another (laughs) one, King Ole. At at 36, 36, too, man. Got a penalty, and I believe it was the ninth minute. After Ruben Loftus-Cheek was tripped by Jose Sa. Ray Patricio. Ray Patricio. I get them Portuguese. mixed up. All right? They both played for Wolves at one point, so whatever. Uh, and then, could Rafael Leao get his first goal? And oh my goodness, what a first goal it was. 
What a funny looking weird bicycle kick. It, scissor kick. I don't it know what you call like it, man. It looked like he slipped and then somehow improvised a perfect finish out of it. Like when he when I saw it in real time, I was like, was he sitting on his ass and he just somehow managed to overhead kick that? Yeah, he was like this far. Just about. Yeah. <laughs> he was just about. <laughs> but what a finish in off the post to the bicycle kick slash scissor. I, I don't even know how to describe that one. It was a weird one. I would recommend going yeah. checking that one out. Uh, Roma, on the other hand, I mean, they they were just outplayed on the park. I mean, they, they're they looking for their first win. They had a draw and a loss to start the season, and now another one. Especially after the transfer window they had. You know, Hasim Awar and Leonardo Paredes started in this one. They're still winless, and to make things worse, Awar came off injured in the first half. Yeah, I think it was like after 20 minutes or so he came off. Yeah. And yeah, they're just, I don't know if it's the setup. You know, it's Jose Mourinho, so it was a very defensive setup. And it looked like it. Yeah, and they have so much attacking talent. Do you think it's more of they're just so reliant on Paulo Dybala why they're struggling this season? Or is it just because their new signings haven't meshed yet? I think it's. Maybe new signings, but also they they got some injuries. Paulo Dybala didn't play in this one. You know, Renato Sanchez still hasn't played yet. So I think there's potential there when those players come back for them to get into some good yeah. form. Well, I, I will say, you know, at least for at least for AS Roma and Jose Mourinho, it's still early in the season. And a lot of a lot of games left. And, you know, with the unpredictability of the Serie A last season. They could very well get right back into the title race after the next three or four games. So I just in this one, Milan were such so much the better team throughout this game, and it took I mean a, a second yellow to Fukayo Tamori for them to even get into this game. Yeah, honestly, they <laughs> Roma weren't in this game at all until that red card to AC yeah. Milan, and that's when they finally kind of got into the game. Uh, Leonardo Spinazzola had a deflected shot go in. I mean, but, that was in what? the Man, nine, for me, it was, it was all Milan. 92nd minute, too. Ruben Loftus Cheek. Yeah, it was like stoppage yeah. time. What a pickup. He's looking like. But Ruben Loftus Cheek, man, looks like one heck of a player in Syria. Uh, yeah. It leaves Milan tied for points atop the table with inner city rivals Inter ahead of the Derby della Modena. Madonina. Madodina. Uh, after the international break. So we'll talk to you guys about that in our next episode. Roma, on the other hand, sitting in 18th place with only one point out of three games. We won't beat Milan. They pulled it out. Okay, back to the Premier League, Targo. We had Brighton and Newcastle in what we thought would have been one of the most exciting games in the Premier League to date. And the rough set of fixtures really did continue for Newcastle. Yeah, and at 3-1. It was funny. You and I were trying to watch this one while doing our fantasy football draft. <laughs> yeah, ended up having to watch Had it to have it on. Yeah. But Brighton just, they outplayed Newcastle, it's man. piling on the misery for Newcastle. I mean, it's, they've got one win in four now. And oddly enough, Brighton dominated possession, and Newcastle for the majority of the game did not look dangerous at all. What's going on with Newcastle? How come they're 
not playing as well as they did last season. Well, I'm as far as defensively, I think it, a big part of it is the fact that Sven Botman's out. He played in one game this season, and they won it. They've lost the other three. Kind of similar to Arsenal without William Sleep. But, but I, I go ahead. I think I disagree with you. Really? I'm going to go throughout. It's a whole team okay. thing. Where last year, individual players were performing above what they normally play. You're not getting that this year. You're not. I honestly, Nick Pope didn't doesn't look as good this year. Right. Uh, Lewis Dunk, mm-hmm. Miguel Amaron, Bruno Guimaraes, they don't look as good as Going this year as they did last yeah. year. I mean, other than that first game, Sandro Tonali as well. He doesn't look like the player he was last season or even in the first game. Kieran Trippier, same thing. So I think you're you're on to something there. I also think Brighton are just that good. Yeah, I, you know, Newcastle are trying to press, man, that Brighton team. When you press <laughs> them, they're... It's a thing of beauty to watch them it just is. They're so fun to watch. move the ball around you. And then once they get past that original press, man, it it is on. Mm. <laughs> they go and attack. They do. And Evan Ferguson, the next 100 mil man with his first English Premier League hat trick. And, I mean, is this more of an Evan Ferguson thing, or is this the fact that Newcastle just let him have acres of space the whole game? I think it could be both. He's finding the right positions. Yeah. I mean, especially for that second goal. I mean, it seemed like he got the ball maybe 35, 40 yards out, and no one pressed him. He just took a couple touches forward, no. slotted it home, bottom corner. Like Pope didn't even dive for it. From all of 25 yards out. <laughs> I mean, I will give Nick Pope credit. The third goal, I took a huge deflection. There's not really anything he could do about it. But I'm not taking anything away from uh, the new and improved Fergie time. He's in scintillating form. Yeah, but I will cr- criticize Nick Pope for the first two, pairing it out to Ferguson. And then I think he should have done better on that shot. I mean, it was from 25 yards out. I think he yeah. could have. That first one especially. Got a little closer to it. should have caught that in his chest instead of parrying it. And as a goalie, so wrap your arms around it. Let it hit you in the chest. I don't care if it knocks the wind out of you. You saved it. It didn't go in the net. So I think, uh, yeah. At least they gave you a recipe. Gave every other team in the Premier League a recipe of what not to do against Brighton, which has pressed them heavily. <laughs> With you picking Brighton to win this one, and me picking a draw, wrongfully so. I got one right, yeah. finally. <laughs> uh, speaking of us picking one wrongfully so, we had Union Berlin against RB Leipzig. We thought Union Berlin would win this one. Uh, having scored eight goals in their first two games, they scored zero in this one. RB Leipzig running out comfortable winners, winning three nil. And looked at the yes, better team. They did. Yeah. I mean, they've now scored eight goals in two games with five against Stuttgart and three against Union Berlin. 
Javi Simons looks like quite the impressive signing. Opening goal on this one, and what a galazo it was. Oh, beauty, man. Beauty of a goal. Yes. And their third goal, too, was a beautifully worked team goal. I believe I posted that on our Instagram story, so check yeah. that out. Yeah, Javi Simons with fifth or his fifth goal contribution this season. Uh, yeah, he's looking like he's going to be up there with some of the most goal contributions in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, if it wasn't to make things worse for Union Berlin, Kevin Volland got a straight red in the 64th minute for his tackle on Mohamed Simakane. Was it a red for you? Was it a red for you? Jinx, <laughs> <laughs> Jinx yeah. Uh, he goes down the back of him with his studs. Back of his leg. That was a little I, harsh. Yeah. I think it's a little harsh for a straight red. I understand the ref giving the red. But I think that could that kind of tiptoes the line of being a yellow card and a straight red. It's, it's more of an yeah. orange for me. Can we do like a yellow card with like five minutes in the box? Is that a thing? <laughs> there you go. Uh, new boy Benjamin Sesco with a brace two, in two minutes, uh, coming on as a sub, scoring in the 85th and 87th to seal it for Leipzig. And like you said, that second goal of his was a thing of beauty. Union Berlin. Well, this is their first loss after going a club record 24 straight wins at home, or unbeaten at home. And they really disappointed me. Wow, that's a good run. All right. Back to the Premier League for our last two, Targo. And the first one we had was Liverpool and Aston Villa. Now, we thought Liverpool's defense would be a little suspect without Virgil van Dijk since he was suspended for an additional game after his conduct getting a red card against Newcastle. And, well, let's just say Aston Villa looked a shadow, again, a shadow of what we thought they would look like this season as they lost 3-0. They did not play good, Villa. No, and to make things worse for them, Darwin Nunez continued his hot form. (laughs) He is starting to make quite the connection with Mo Salah. I do feel like Nunez should have scored some of these goals, but he's getting into good positions. He had one that he took a shot, comes off the post, and then unfortunately for Matty Cash, bounces <laughs> right off him and into the goal. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold with yet another passing masterclass showing if you don't close him down, he's going to hurt you. Well, and then Aston Villa playing a high yeah. line, man. Trent was just dinking little balls over the top for players to run on to. So, you know, I mentioned this when Villa played Newcastle, that high line that they were playing. Yeah, it might work in La Liga. Newcastle made them. uh, It is not going to work against teams like Newcastle and Liverpool. They're just too fast. Dominic Sabotsley impressed again for Liverpool. How about... He looks like a player, man. man. Woo. Beauty. Yeah, and I'll admit, 
Aston Villa are not as good as I thought they would be. At least not right now. Ollie Watkins. They got made some good Ollie signings. Ollie Watkins but... looked like a shadow of what he was last season. Leon Bailey looks absolutely awful this season. Musa Dembele or Musa Diaby being one of their few bright spots. And I mean, Yuri Tielemans has he even played. <laughs> Looking at watching the games, I, I think so. injuries also though. I think injuries to Villa don't help. You know, Tyrone Ming's out. Moreno's out, their left back. Uh, Emmy Buendia, their midfielder's out. So a couple important players yeah. there. But talking about Liverpool, man, going forward, they look like they're back to their best. And I'm not going to lie, it might be a three-horse race for the title. I don't know, man. It might be a one-horse race at this point already. More than one team challenging Manchester City this season. Let's go with that. We'll see if any teams challenge Manchester City. (laughs) Okay. Challenging for second. How about that? (laughs) There you go. You pick Liverpool. I picked a draw. Um, You were very much right. Even though I said Liverpool would win if they had 10 men, they still had a lot of and then to the final game in what might have been the most dramatic and most stressful for us as Arsenal fans. Arsenal played Manchester United in what never disappoints to be a good game. Rafael Varane, Luke Shaw, Mason Mount, Tyrell Malassia, and Aman Diallo were all out for this match for United. Arsenal ran out three to one winners, and for most of the game, it was much closer than the three to one scoreline. This was kind of an interesting game. So yeah, Arsenal won three one, and I would say they dominated possession of the game. But Onana really never to make a save. I can think of one from Bukayo Saka in that second half. So I would say they didn't really threaten the goal, but at the same time, Man United. Almost looked like they were playing for yeah. a draw. They didn't really offer much. I mean, they didn't do anything for 20 minutes until they got that goal. And it was very much against the run of play. And so it was kind of a weird one. Like, Man United didn't look good, but almost neither did Arsenal, if I'm for being honest. the majority honest. of the game, I, you were definitely correct. Um, and, I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, Kai Havertz. Arsenal looked so much better after they, after they took him off. Excuse me. Yeah, Mikel Arteta has a issue on his hands named Kai Havertz. He wanted him, spent $65 million, mm-hmm. was it, on him. And now he feels like he almost has to play him. Yeah, and I mean, listening to him in press conferences too, I mean, he's saying how much he sees his quality day in and day out. And he just wants the fans to get behind him. And once he gets a goal, he'll be off and running. But, I mean, at this point, it's hard to believe he's going to get a goal. I mean, he had one of the easiest opportunities of the game to score, and he completely missed the ball. (laughs) He whiffed it, man. And maybe things got a little bit better. You know, he almost drew a PK. Almost. In this game, but it got called back to VAR. We discussed at length about it. No PK. I've watched it many, many times since, and I'll be honest with you, 
it, it probably isn't a penalty kick. I don't know why they reversed it. I think I would have let it stand. Yeah, I would have let... I don't think it was a clear and obvious yeah. error. Wasn't enough there. There was some contact. Was it a lot? No. But I've seen them given for... For less. For less. For Man United, example, that yeah, Rashford exactly. one. <laughs> uh, Rasmus Hoyland made his debut in this one. Um, he's massive. He's a big boy. <laughs> he's a big, strong boy. That's yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> United definitely looked better. Could be a difference. They, they looked better him. going forward when he was on. And, I mean, just watching him stand there next to Gabrielle, who's no slouch. Gabrielle looks small. So you think there was any penalty shout-outs in there? As far as? Gabrielle no. on Hoyland? No. Two players fighting for the ball. Same with the Johnny Evans and Gabrielle situation as well. I don't know what Ten Hag saw. I think he's just complaining after the game. Oh, man. So, yeah, let's get into his comments. So he said it wasn't offside. They're looking at the wrong angle. Hoyland should have had a PK. And that it was a foul on Evans for that second Arsenal goal. Okay, so I'll start with the beginning of that comment since I already, you know, talked about the other two. And I've seen other angles of that. And if you go to a, you know, a camera that's further down the line there, he looks more offsides. So I, I don't understand where Ten Hag is going with that one. He's offsides. I don't get how he, yeah. he can argue that. Yeah. Like the view that they, I just don't get how he can argue the it. The view like, they gave he... was the best one towards Manchester United and him being Garnacho being on sides. All the rest of them, he looks way more offsides than the what was it six inches that it was, maybe less. It wasn't a lot. Yeah. It was a close one, but he's yeah. still offsides. And then the foul on Hoyland. I think that's where he has his biggest argument if i'm being honest i mean yeah maybe but i also feel like you said it's two players fighting for the ball and if you look at the still images don't do it justice because you look at the bigger picture you can see saliba is Mm. also right there ready to scoop up the ball as these two players are kind of trying to jockey for position and then the declan rice goal man how is that a foul gabrielle is standing there and johnny evans has a hold of him first gabrielle goes to ground Johnny Evans is standing there and does not because does of not Johnny get Evans. impeded at all on that goal. So, so I don't know what Ten Hag is saying again, on those you know Dutch, those remarks. Those He's trying Dutch to find someone to blame that isn't his, smoking himself. something, and I want some of it. Him and Van Hall, I'm telling you. Um, as far as United goes, I will say Christian Eriksen, um, Dalo, and Marcus Rashford all impressed, but. I mean, the rest of their squad did not for the majority of this game. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I would say both fullbacks played yeah. well. Yeah, Juan Basaka, especially on Martinelli, who was giving him a horrible time all game. He did very well. Uh, and then, I mean, you got Anthony, Casemiro, Bruno, um, Martial. They all look terrible in this game. Martial yeah. played? He started. <laughs> I know. Uh, for Just Arsenal, me. I mean, Ben Until... White didn't look pro- like convincing at right back. He definitely let Anthony Martial, or not Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, uh, have his way with him. And Kai Havertz, disappointing yet again. Do you think he started after 
It's just he doesn't do anything, man. He doesn't offer much offensively. You know, I was hoping maybe he could be able to get into some good positions, at least, to create chances. He does a something defensively. I will say he does something. It's nothing magical or fantastic, but he does something. But his passing, man, he doesn't... It's all simple, small passes. And even those, he still messes up. So... <laughs> And there's a couple of them. He went Sometimes, to play the ball yeah. back to someone, and the person wasn't there anymore. Is it chemistry? Is he just not there yet? I don't know, but he's definitely not convincing. And is he just a bad player at this point? Since we've been seeing it for how many years know. at Chelsea, um, and now I would Arsenal? say he's more of a player who has the quality. He is just immensely struggling with confidence. Like he's zero. You can see it in the way he runs, or lack thereof. I think, I think he probably needs a bit of time to adjust to you know everybody else on the team. Starting is probably not the best answer right now. And I mean, with the way you know he's uh, going to start I the next game, right? Ask, yeah, with the way Fabio Vieira has been playing, he has to start after the international break, right? <laughs> no, I already did. Should I think he? Sh- I yeah. think he should start. Yes, but I don't think Arteta will. Well, the start thing him. is, I mean, maybe it's the way that you know Arteta kind of moved around some players and his substitutions. But Fabio Vieira, I mean, Arsenal was light years better after Havertz came off and Vieira came on than they were before. <laughs> oh, I agree. I mean, and I, but I don't think he's going to do that. Arteta as well. Arteta, that uh, is bringing on Reese Nelson. I thought we were both questioning that sub, and he looked fantastic. So, um, okay, on to the uh, end of the game and everything that happened. I know we already talked about the offside shout by Ten Hag. I mean, what a finish by Garnacho, even though he was offsides. We were stressing out. This is like the 86th minute. And minutes of added time and Declan Rice proving why he's worth a hundred million. Even before scoring the game winner in the 96th, he had one hell of a game. Yeah. And then what a moment it was. Defensively, yeah. The 96. <laughs> yeah. What a time to have your first, first goal, goal for Arsenal, yeah. Winner Woo! against Manchester United and Man. And then Gabriel Jesus. On the break, getting the third one in the hundred and first minute, was it? Something crazy. Something like that. Fabio Vieira. Assist from Fabio Vieira. That one. Arsenal winning their first of a tough stretch of games. They're going to Everton next, uh, after the international break, and they got Spurs, Bournemouth, City, and Chelsea. And as for Manchester United, after yet another poor performance, should the fans be worried? Or is it too soon? I'm curious to see how Hoyland does. I want to see a couple games with him up up top, leading that line. If things if things don't change after he's up there, yeah, I would. I mean, even if you look at all their games here. Lucky to get that win against Wolves. They sh- Wolves should have had a PK. They lost to Spurs. 
They didn't play yeah. well against Forest and probably also didn't deserve to win that game. So it's I did read something a on troubling ESPN. few performances. I did read something on ESPN about I would how give them Manchester two, United three more. has entered their chaos era, which is why they're so fun to watch, because you literally never know what's going to happen when they're on the field. And if I'm a Manchester United fan, I think the stuff off the field worries me more than the stuff on the field right now. It's still early. They started like this last season, so they were fine. Uh, as far as pickings go, I won 7-6, to six, even though it didn't seem like uh, it should have been that close. And we're tied for the season. Both winning one and drawing two, so. Looks like we're going to have a much closer season than last season when you won. Like, eight, eight games before the end. We'll see. It's still early, my friend. I'll, I'm sure I'll pull ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. And what a long one it was. Yes, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to check out all of our fun socials. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. And, of course, check out the merch on Redbubble. On that note, we love you guys. Thank you so much. As always, cheers.